This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Pastor Todd Smith, and you may have heard of Pastor Todd Smith from the Dawsonville, Georgia Revival, where people are coming into the baptismal waters, and they're getting healed and set free and set on fire. And It's a real privilege to have Pastor Todd Smith with us, and I, I'm excited about this. And uh, Pastor Todd, you wrote a book called He Sat Down. What does that mean? Well, Ryan, first, thanks for letting me be with you today. And I wrote this book, He Sat Down, after the Lord took me up to a particular passage in Mark chapter 16, where Jesus gave the Great Commission to his disciples. And the Bible says he ascended up to heaven and he sat down. And I had read that book uh, or that passage of Scripture perhaps, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of times over my life. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Todd, read that again. And I said, okay, Lord. And it says he ascended to heaven, and he sat down. And he spoke to my heart, and he said, Todd, what am I doing right now? Well, I said, Jesus, according to that text, you're sitting down. And he says, absolutely right. And so that phrase, he sat down, exploded in my spirit. And he told me, he said, Todd, tell my church that I'm still sitting, and he's in heaven sitting. And what that means is, in order for his work to be done on the earth, his church has to stand up. Because in John chapter 17, Jesus explicitly says, he says, I have finished the work that you have given me to do. And so right now he's in heaven seated because he's finished his work on the earth in his flesh and bone body. Do you think that people struggle with that fact? In other words, that, you know, God is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Why can't he, if he wants to move, he'll move. And we'll talk later in the show about the revival uh, that's happening at your church. And I know, again, we'll come back to this, but I know you never thought to yourself, well, if God wants to move, he'll move. And then all of a sudden revival broke out. Uh, We have to do our part. Yeah, absolutely. And there are some bad lines of belief in the church, and, and people may disagree with this, but I, I believe that there are some uh, mindsets that have crippled the body of Christ today. And, and one of those bad lines of belief is no matter what we do or don't do, God's will on the earth will be done. Mm-hmm. And we just assume if God wills something, then it will come to pass. And that's not, that's not scriptural, and it's not a fact. Because there's a lot of things that God wills to be done on the earth, and it is not getting done. And so the church has taken the posture, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and God will take care of his work. But if we will do a a real assessment of the New Testament, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that when Jesus was getting ready to go to heaven to ascend back to the Father, he gave a commission and an assignment and a mandate to his church and says, all right, I have finished my flesh and bone body on the earth, of ministry on the earth. I have finished all that God has sent me to do. Right now, I am transferring the responsibility on your shoulders. I am giving that to you right now. 
and so go finish my work. I'd like to tell, uh, Ryan, I'd like to tell people when I lived in the country, I was responsible for cutting 10 acres of grass and maintenance of that property. I had a certain portion that I did as the father of the house. But when I finished my, my portion, I would then send my boys out to finish the job, the weed eating, the edging, the picking up of the debris, the raking of the grass. And I would come inside the house and I would sit down and let them finish. And that's exactly what Jesus did with his disciples, his, his, his 11 disciples and then the others, and what he's done for us. He's sitting, he's sitting in heaven, sitting in heaven. And he says, now go do it. Go finish my work. You know, on one hand, Pastor, that's a scary thought because there's a lot of people on the earth today that call themselves Christians. And if they would simply, I'm saying this tongue in cheek, but if they would simply, uh, all the Christians rise up and do what God's called us to do, every single one of them, Jesus is on his way. Like, I mean, he's on the horse ready to come back. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he he's ready. But the church has dropped the ball, so to speak. And, and Jesus did not die for us so that we could have good church. And everything just surrounds the church. Well, let's go to church service. Let's go have a worship service. And it's about the huddle. It's about the gathering. And we love the huddle, and we love the gathering, and we love the community. But Jesus did not die for us so that you and I could have good church experiences. There's a world to win. There's people to minister to, people that need prayer, that we can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Again, the church has bought into the mindset that, well, if it's God's will, then nothing can stop it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that can stop it. I'll give you an example. There's 7.4 billion people, Ryan, on the planet right now, 7.4 billion plus. And 55 million people every year die. That's what the United Nations say. Mm. That's a lot of folks. And 31% of the world population is what we would call Christian born again. They identify themselves as Christian. That's 31%. That's 2.3 billion out of 7.4 billion. So that means that there are literally 5.1 billion unsaved people on the planet. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that's crazy, isn't it? It's staggering. <laughs> yeah. Now think about that. 31% of the world population is saved, 69% unsaved. Now, let's assume 31% of all the dead that died last year were Christians. That means 17 million people went to heaven. Let's assume that 69% of the folks that died last year, of the 55 million um, that, that died last year, 69%, that means that 38 million stepped out into eternity unprepared to meet God. I, I know these are a lot of numbers, but I'm just letting you know that this is not God's will. And there were 38 million people last year that stepped out into eternity that God did not want any single one of them to perish at all. And a lot of times we're thinking, well, what's God going to do about that? What, what's God going to do about all these unsaved people dying and going to hell? And, and this is a startling statement that I'm going to make and, and may be uh, troublesome for some people. What is God going to do about the 38 million people that, that stepped out into eternity unprepared to meet him last year? And here's the answer, nothing. Wow. 
Why? Because he is sitting in heaven, and he has commissioned you and I, the church, every one of us that's listening to this, we are now commissioned to go in the world. That's what he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But Pastor, what about those people that say, you know, I'm not called to preach, I'm not called to uh, evangelize or be a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher or a prophet? What, what about those people? Well, the Great Commission was given to all of us, to every single one of us. And it wasn't just to his chosen disciples at that time. That Matthew 28, Mark 16, was given to every member of the body of Christ. That's why he called us his ambassadors, okay? And that's when he says in Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. So this is not just for the missionaries. It's not just for the paid staff, professional ministers. This Great Commission is for everyone. And we've had the gospel for over 2,000 years. And, and Ryan, according to missiologists, 42% of the world lives in an unreached people group. What does that mean? That means the entire population of that nation is less than 1% Christian. Wow. So someone can be born, live a life of 70 to 80 years, work, and then eventually die, and never hear a clear presentation of the gospel. And I believe um, with what you talk about in the book, of course, your CD set, I believe a big part of that is how you teach, you know, Jesus sat down, we stand up, but he also knew that we had to be endued, as the Bible talks about, with power. Talk about how you saw in the Word of God the transition between Jesus sitting down and then him uh, saying, now go, Terry, go wait to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, there's a difference, and and perhaps some in our listening audience, you know, they may not know my background. I was a Southern Baptist pastor, and I was pastoring one of the fastest-growing Baptist churches in the state of Georgia, and things were happening great, wonderful. But I got so hungry for God and thirsty for Him, I knew after reading some scriptures that there was more to experience. Tell that story, Pastor. Go ahead. Where you took your denominational glasses off and all that. Go ahead and tell that story. It's powerful. Yeah. And so, again, I'm pastoring this explosive church. We're building a brand new building, Thousand Seat Sanctuary, uh, adding staff. In the midst of that, again, I got so hungry for God. I said, Lord, there's got to be more to being saved than just me preaching and seeing people just come and rededicate their life every week. And I literally got so hungry for God. I said, Lord, whatever it costs, whatever I have to do, whatever price I have to pay, I want the same power that the early disciples had. And one of the things that I had to do in order to experience the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I had to start reading my Bible without my denominational glasses on. Because denominational people like myself at that point, and I'm not knocking that, you know, uh, great movements, great denominations, but I read the Bible through a particular set of lenses. And these lenses, I paid a lot for them with my education, you know, a graduate degree, a master's degree, and and everything. When I read the Word, I read it through that Baptist prism, and there were certain things that I didn't see or I didn't want to see or even worse, that I can't believe that because I am a, you know, you fill in the blank, I am a Baptist, I am a Methodist, I'm a Nazarene. 
that when I laid down my denominational glasses and said, Jesus, I want to read this Bible as if I have no filter, as if I have no uh, presuppositions, I want to read it as if I'm brand new born again. And Ryan, when I started to do that, honestly, intellectually, in, a, in an honest way, things that I had read for years started popping and leaping off the page. And I discovered that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was real. And when I, as a Southern Baptist pastor, experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it changed everything in my life. And I had a new power, a new joy. I went from loving Jesus to being in love with Him. And there's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. You know, you ask a spouse, you know, because you ask anybody that's been married for 10 years, do you love your wife? Do you love your husband? Yeah, I love my husband. But that's not the right question. Are you in love with them? (laughs) And so we can love Jesus, really, with all of our heart. But there is something different when you're in love with him. Mm -hmm. And so this is what Jesus was wanting to have happen to the disciples. He said, guys, before I send you out with this great assignment and mandate to preach the gospel around the world and lay hands on the sick and cast out devils, I need you to go to the upper room, and I need you to wait until you're endued with power. And I love that Greek word for endued. It is enduo, which means that you're going to be covered and clothed with my power. Now, as a Baptist, Ryan, I and scripturally is correct, that when you get saved, the presence of God, the Spirit of the Lord comes to live inside of you, the indwelling presence of the Lord. We're indwelt by the Spirit of the Lord. But when the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens, that's when the Spirit of God comes up on you. Okay, He comes upon you. And we all know, that just as an example, there's a difference between um, putting the cookies in the oven, all right, and then taking the cookies out and putting them upon the oven. And so the Spirit of the Lord comes in you when you get saved, but there's something entirely different, an additional encounter with the Spirit of God when He comes upon you. And when He arrays you and clothes you with His Spirit, He comes upon you. There's another dimension of power. There's another realm of experience and authority that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pastor, will you lead those people that are listening who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit power uh, yet? Will you lead them into that prayer? And Because I know that you had a powerful encounter with God uh, as a Baptist, and uh, God really rocked your world, and, and you have a real faith and authority in this area. Just just pray as you feel led for people to be filled with the Spirit. Absolutely. And, and it's not by accident that you're listening to this right now. This is a divine moment for you. This is your uh, your moment, your your opportunity to encounter what you've been longing for for many, many months and years. And, and sometimes, as a denominational person, uh, you come with a lot of false doctrine in your mind. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to prepare you to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple things that are necessary. One, you have to believe that this experience is for you that God wants you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that is his desire for you. He would not have asked his disciples to experience this if it wasn't important. And if it was important for Mary, his mother, and Peter, and James, and John, and Thomas, 
how much more important is this encounter for us 2,000 years removed from his, his discourse with his disciples? So this is the will of the Father. This is his plan for us so that we can have power to be his witnesses. Now, in addition to that, when I pray with you, I want your faith to be high. I want you to go, I know this is for me. I will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the next thing you need to do is receive it by faith as a gift from God. All right? That's what he wants. The Bible says in Luke 11, those that are evil fathers on the earth know how to give good gifts to our children. Luke 11, 13. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? We're going to ask him in faith, and then you're going to receive this precious, precious baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when I pray, he's going to come upon you. He's going to come upon you. So, Father, I thank you right now that you're going to move in their life. I thank you, Lord, by faith, all across the world, people are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would come to them with such vigor and force and fire that they'll never be the same. That's my prayer. So, Jesus, right now, I pray, touch them. Now, those of you that are listening, pray this prayer out loud with me. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I'm hungry and thirsty. I want everything that you have for me. And I know the baptism of the Holy Spirit is real. And I cry out right now to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Fill me now, Jesus, with your fire. Fill me now with your spirit. Take a deep breath in. The Lord is coming. He's filling you. Begin to release out of your belly. Just begin to pray out of your spirit, out of your belly. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Begin to give voice to it out of your belly. That is your supernatural uh, spirit language, your prayer language that God has given to you, that he gave to his disciples. It's coming forth right now. Release it by faith. Speak it. Give utterance. Now, in the name of Jesus, be filled with the Spirit of God right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I know you felt that. I certainly felt that. And Pastor, you, you talk about in your book uh, that we, we got to take this thing seriously. The, the, the world is not, in and of itself, is getting more and more hostile towards God. And we got to be we got to be on fire. We got to be filled with faith. Yes, sir, we do. And this is the time, uh, Ryan, for the church to stand up. We have to take our position. You know, as I spoke about and write about in my book, he sat down, and I think it's one of, of, of one of the most provocative books that, um, on the market today, simply because it challenges the church to stand up. Because Jesus is seated; he's he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And five different times in the New Testament that it refers to Jesus being uh, at the right hand of the Father, sitting down. And only one time outside the Gospels in the book of Revelation do we find him standing, and that is when Stephen was martyred. The Bible says that Jesus stood up. He has commissioned us to continue his work on the earth. And here's the, here's the sobering thought. If we don't do his work, Ryan, on the earth, if we don't continue what he started, then the work of Jesus on the earth doesn't get done. And, and I can say that. Scripturally, because the Bible says 
in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, that you and I are now his body. That's what the Bible says. Absolutely. Yeah, we are now his body. And if we don't witness, the gospel doesn't get shared. If we don't teach the Word, the Word doesn't get taught. Jesus is not coming back in his flesh and bone body to witness to my neighbor or to, uh, to lay hands on the sick. He's commissioned you and I to do that. We are now representatives of his. We're his extension. And that's why he said, the works that I do, you shall do. And even in John 17, he says, as the Father sent me into the world, I now send you. But if we don't go, his work doesn't get done. And that's amazing to me that the church has not bought into that and really grasped it because, you know, it, we're just fumbling the ball, if you so to speak, to use an analogy. We're not doing what he's commissioned us to do. We're kind of waiting on him to do it all. And he's not going to come to the rescue for us. It's our responsibility. Absolutely. Now, you uh, having a very large responsibility yourself as, as a pastor, growing church, you were just kind of in, a, in an interesting place with God and in, in, in needing a, a sign from Him to continue. I believe it was called Christ Fellowship Church. Just, God, what, what are you going to do? What's next? What happened? Yeah, you know, I pastored a church in Dawsonville, Georgia, Christ Fellowship. And I had been here going on eight years at this particular time, and I thought I had taken the church as far as I could take it. And I had resolved myself that I need to probably step down and turn it over to someone else and, and just find something else that the Lord wanted me to do. And we went on a 21-day fast last year, Ryan, and started seeking the Lord. We sought His face, but asking for His glory to show up and, and really encouraged Him to press into us. And I had been without food on this particular fast about 18 days, and I was... Um, Hungry, I guess, physically and also spiritually. But I got so discouraged on a Friday because I wasn't seeing the presence and power of God that I wanted to. My church wasn't growing like I thought it needed to. And I'm in a dark room in my home with my hands lifted up, and I said to Jesus, I said, Jesus, I quit. Uh, I, I, I'm going to resign the church that, that I'm pastoring. I think, Lord, I need to move on. And, and I just gave up. You know, I just looked at my hands, and I said, God, I quit. And that next Tuesday at my executive staff meeting at my church, I walked in and said to my staff, I said, guys, I'm done. I am I am going to resign the church. And if the Lord opens up another opportunity for me to preach elsewhere, to pastor elsewhere, I'm going to take that if it's the Lord's will. But I'm letting you guys know that I'm, I'm giving you a soft resignation. So I gave a soft resignation to my staff. And you don't do that. All leaders know that you don't do that. But I was so frustrated and so discouraged that I just said, I'm done. Well, Pat Schatzlein, who is an Assembly of God evangelist, uh, had never met him a day in my life, but my youth pastor at the time knew him. So I resigned on Tuesday. Thursday, Pat calls my youth pastor, and he says, Marty, he says, I've been in prayer this morning, and I just saw your pastor in a dark room with his hands up, and he's quitting. Again, I've never met Pat Schatzlein a day in my life. I wouldn't wow. have walked through the door. Wow. But yet in prayer, the Lord spoke to him and said, 
Pastor Marty's or Paul Marty's pastor is, you know, is quitting. And he made that phone call immediately to my youth pastor. My youth pastor said, hang on a minute, Pat. Can you tell my pastor what you just saw? So he put him on speakerphone and he told me, and then he began to prophesy the things that he had. He, there's no way he could have known them. And he nailed every, every prophecy. The Lord gave him revelation and the word of knowledge. And he said, Todd, don't quit. You're not supposed to quit. So at that moment, I pulled back my soft resignation to my staff. I said, okay, God, I know that you now know where I am. Because oftentimes we can doubt if God knows where we are. We're going through such heartache, struggles, oppositions, and uh, issues in our life. We go, God, do you even know that I'm here? And at that moment, I knew that he knew that I was in Dawsonville, Georgia, in this small town. I never doubted that he loved me, but I just didn't know that he knew where I was. Boy, that's so good. And I know that speaks to a lot of people because, Pastor, I believe there's a lot of people out there listening that are in a place where God, you know, I, I feel like I'm gifted. I feel like there's a call of God in my life. I just... I don't see any fruit of that right now. I don't, I'm discouraged. Uh, you know, things have happened in my life. What would you say to those people directly? I would say God does know where you are. Uh, his all-seeing eye, He is aware of everything going on in your life. And don't mistake the silence or the inability to feel Him and, and equate that to Him abandoning you or that He's not concerned about you. You, you are in a moment of a quiet place, and it may be very dark. It may be deep darkness in your life, but never, ever, ever doubt for a moment, because I had to learn this the hard way. Never doubt for a moment that God is there, and He's with you, and He's walking through this with you. And be encouraged, because He is aware, and He will not allow you to be suffocated by your circumstances if you trust Him. Don't take the reins of your life. Don't try to take over your life again. Keep submitting that to the loving Father, because He is there. And just as Peter as he was walking on the water, and the deep water swallowed him up when he took his eyes off the Lord, but Jesus was right there to pick him up out of the darkness and the deep darkness of those troubled waters. And Jesus will do the same. Keep your faith. Don't do not trade it in. Do not get to the point of being depressed and discouraged where you go back to the bottle or you go back to some pills or you go back to bad relationships. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so I, I just release I just release a hug from the Father to you. I, I just ask that the Father embraces you right where you are and that he reaches over and holds your hand because he is there. He is with you. See him with your eyes of faith. Everything externally may be so uh, problematic and such chaos that you can't even hear or see him. But right now, I ask that the Father would extend his loving hand, and he will place it on your hand and just uh, just tap it and let you know that he's there in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I feel that, Pastor. So something extraordinary happened in January 2018. It began. What what was going on with you, with your church? What did you guys decide in those moments? Yeah, we were going through that 21-day fast. Many in our church decided to do with, without food uh, the whole 21 days. Others did the Daniel fast. They 
fasted social media or perhaps, you know, sweets or breads. But we decided as a congregation that we were going to seek him, that we were going to go after him with everything that we had because we were desperate. We wanted God to move. And we prayed three things, Ryan, that I think were important. And I think every pastor and leader, if you will pray these things, you'll see a stark difference in your world and your congregation, perhaps not immediately, but you will see it over time. And that is we decided to seek his face above all things. Not um, not his blessings, not even the benefits of, of being in relationship with him, not even his promises. We said, God, we want to seek your face. We're coming after your face. Not to see his face. There's a difference, Ryan, between seeing the face of God and seeking the face of God. Because I could see you walk through the room and make no adjustment. Right. Okay? But when I seek something, that means I'm in pursuit, that I am going to position myself to encounter you. I'm coming to see your face, not your, not your uh, back or your shoulders or your side, but I'm coming after your face. And Psalm 27, verse 8, got a hold of me, and I quoted it probably a thousand times during our fast, which it says, where God encouraged and inquired of David and said, David, will you seek my face? Think about that. God asked David, David, don't seek what's in my hand. Don't seek my benefits. Don't even seek my blessings. But would you come after my face and my heart? And here's how David replied. David replied, Father, your face I will seek. Our church turned toward him to seek his face. And if you study the book of uh, of Exodus and Moses in the burning bush, the Bible says that when Moses turned, it was at that moment that God spoke from the bush. Moses could have walked right past the burning bush, but when he turned and sought the bush and looked into the bush, that's when the Father spoke. And so that's what we did as a church, as a congregation. And and in one of those moments, Ryan, as I'm walking across the stage, in the middle of the stage, in a prayer time, in the middle of the day, I'm by myself. I walked toward our baptistry for no particular reason. It's just I'm heading that direction, just walking toward it. Then I was going to turn around and walk the other way. But I was about 15 to 20 feet away from our baptistry. And for the first time in my life, I had an open vision that lasted 8 to 10 seconds. I saw the baptistry, which was empty in the natural. I saw the baptistry full with water, filled to the top of water. And on top of the water was fire, as if like gasoline burns on top of a body of water. It was, it, was, it was that vivid. I saw fire on the water, and it was about two and a half to three feet wide from front of my baptistry to the back of my baptistry. And the Lord immediately spoke to me, and he said, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. And then the open vision was over. I had no idea the full impact of what that vision really meant. But Ryan, we have in the last year and just a few weeks, we have baptized 5,000 people in that baptistry. That's crazy. Yes. And many of them are really most I'd say the vast majority of them, if not all of them, are experiencing the fire of God, healings, deliverances, salvations, marriages being restored, 
miraculous signs and wonders being done in that baptistry. He's baptizing his church with Holy Spirit fire in that water. Now, uh, tell the people at home about your book, He Sat Down. What's it going to do for people? Oh, this book, He Sat Down, is just going like crazy. People uh, are reading it and they're thinking, oh my goodness, I've never had uh, my life so challenged after, after reading the book. Yeah, this, this book, He Sat Down, will activate you. You know, it's one thing for us to hear about going lay hands on the sick and being commissioned to go witness and to teach and to pray and to and to be Jesus to the world. This book will get you to the level of saying, I'm going to go be Jesus today. He's going to fill me with the Spirit. He's going to empower me. It just breaks down our, our faulty logic, our presuppositions, and empowers the church to stand up and go do the works of Jesus. If I could get every person in this listening audience right now to get this book, I'm telling you, we could literally see a sweeping of revival across our land. I'll tell you what it'll do. You get this book, and wherever you go to church, wherever you call yourself uh, a Christian in that location, you're going to want to get up and do something for God. I'll tell you, you can't, you can't, and like he talks about in the book, the book is called He Sat Down. Jesus Sat Down. So we can stand up and uh, you're not going to want to sit down anymore. You're going to want to do those things that God's called you to do for sure. And Pastor, you did an exclusive brand new three CD set for us. And we're calling it Baptized with Holy Spirit Power. And you you pray for people on there. But what are you teaching? What are you, what are you imparting to people through that CD set? Well, I think we've been a victim for far too long and we've been waiting on um, God just to continue to keep blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. And uh, what this CD series is all about is uh, we're going to take you where you are in your walk with Jesus, and we're going to expect more because there is more in you. Jesus didn't just save you just to be saved and to get you the glory. He has given you an assignment. He's given you a gift. He's empowered you with the Holy Spirit. Now you will... Go be Jesus. Listen to the CD series. It's going to really challenge you and empower you and release you and activate you to go do what you long in your heart. And uh, I, I can't wait to hear the results, Ryan, of what God's going to do as a result of this. It's powerful. It's, again, it's provocative. You will you will be challenged, and you will see things happening in your life that never have happened before. And listen, there's a real impartation on here for revival, so you, you're going to be so excited and stirred up when you listen to this CD set. And just uh, briefly, talk to the people at home about, about how we can begin to walk in personal revival. Well, Ryan, that is a great question. Uh, personal revival and renewal is not just for, again, a select few people. It's for every one of us. And revival is coming to the body of Christ. It is coming to the world. But the way it comes is when people like you and I get thirsty and hungry for God, and that we say, God, no matter what the price, I'm willing to pay it to have you in fullness, to see your manifest presence, and to encounter your glory, that I'll pay whatever price Whatever you ask of me, I will do it. And so when you get to a point of desperation and saying, God, 
I, I need you fully in my life. I, I don't want to play church. I don't want to be a coddled Christian where uh, I'm getting pampered to and, and everything is about me. There has to come a point of desperation that I, I live to glorify him, to serve him, to love him, to honor him. And I want his perfect plan to be done not only in my life, but through my life. And if we will do Second Chronicles 7, 14, and I know you've heard this over and over and over again, and, and it has become probably static noise to you. But if you and I will literally just live that, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, just place yourself under, under the Lord. Find yourself on your knees and bow your head and just humble yourself. If my people humble themselves and pray, and here it is again, seek my face, okay? Seek my face. Go after the Father's face. Whatever, whatever you have to do, whatever obstacle in your way, remove the clutter and the debris and pursue his face. Whatever brings him pleasure, do it. Whatever causes him to frown, walk away from it. Whatever grieves him, run from it. And see, the church, the reason we're not having revival is because we're too conformed to the world. We have a lot of the world and a lot of the church, a lot of the things of the world and a lot of the spirit, and they don't mix. Revival's going to come to people that are desperate and hungry. He says, seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. And he says, pray, and I'll hear your prayers and I'll heal your land. I'm telling you, revival's coming to this world. You want to be on the front end of that. There's about to be a sweeping of the glory of God that the world has not known. There's coming an awakening, not only to the bride of Christ in America and to the people in America, but literally all over the world, in Africa, in India, in Switzerland, in Sweden. There's coming an awakening that is going to sweep the world. You want to be in on this from the very, very beginning. Do whatever it takes, whatever price you have to pay to go after his face in fullness, and revival will come to your life and your family. I like that. Do whatever it takes. So, Pastor, you are seeing incredible testimonies uh, come out of the baptismal tank, so to speak, there in Dawsonville, Georgia. Just give us a few of some of the some of your favorite. And if one of them, if you don't mind me uh, impressing upon you, to talk about the girl that was a cutter. Uh, but whatever, whatever uh, you feel to share, just go for it. Yeah. Again, Brian. When the Lord gave me that vision that there's fire on the water, and he says, I'm going to baptize people in Holy Spirit fire, uh, we had no idea the full impact, but now we do. We are seeing that Jesus is meeting people in the water. Let me give you a few examples. I'll talk about what just happened uh, a few days ago in our baptistry. There was a lady there that had had a stroke, and the stroke impacted her spine. Only one in eight people in America that they testified had had this type of uh, result after a stroke. Usually it paralyzes a part of your face or a part of your body, uh, maybe the right side or left side, but this impacted the stroke manifested in her spine. She gets in the water, and she literally could barely move her feet one, like, in inches at a time. She was so in pain, immense torture, because 
of, of her spine being affected by the stroke. She gets baptized. The presence of God comes upon her. The fire of God hits her. She gets slain in the water. We're carrying her out. The Spirit of God came on her so heavily. She's out in the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing we know, she comes to and starts walking up the steps by herself. The whole group, I couldn't see it. The whole group starts applauding our baptistry team, shouting and giving praise to God. Well, we bring her back down in the water, and she is walking with no pain, zero pain, lifting her legs from literally up to her chest, one after another, and walks, walks throughout the building pain-free. The fire of God, the healing power of God touched her. Now, that's just one example. The the, the young lady that you were uh, referencing, her name is Tia. She had tried to commit suicide probably a half a dozen times. Diagnosed schizophrenic, I believe, is the diagnosis on all types of medicines. She comes and she gets baptized. And she had been baptized a couple of times in our water. And we don't discourage people from coming back over and over again to be baptized. And here's the reason why. Sometimes it's like peeling an onion. Right. All right? Okay, the first time the Lord deals with something. The second time he deals with something else. And when you have tried to commit suicide at least a half a dozen times, there are some issues that got to get resolved. She comes back on this particular time, just a few weeks ago, fire in the water. Jesus is meeting her in the water, and she puts her foot in that water. She walks down, and she gets baptized. The power of God comes upon her. She's out in the Spirit, and they kind of float her to the side, and they hold her on the steps, and they just allow the presence of the Lord to minister to her. She looks down. Now, now think about this. Not only has she tried to commit suicide, but she is a self-harmer. That means that she would take a knife, a screwdriver, a a can top, and cut herself because she feels so unworthy that when she feels pain, it's like a release to her. So she would just literally cut her wrist and just gouge herself and watch herself bleed. And the pain, it was was just a manifestation of inner turmoil, a self-harmer. She had 15 scars on her arms, on her left arm and right arm, totaled about 15 scars, and she had also cut herself on her thighs, on her thighs. And so she gets baptized. Fire of God touches her. She's out in the Spirit. She comes to, and she looks down at her arms, and every single scar had dissolved in the water. Wow. Completely dissolved. Wow. In the water. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, they're gone. They're gone. All right? She gets up, walks out of the baptistry. Everybody's rejoicing. She goes to the changing room. Now, get this. She goes to the changing room, and she's putting on her other clothes. But when she took off her baptismal clothes, she looks down at her thighs, where she had also cut herself and harmed herself with scars. And she screams as if she's in terror. So my baptism team runs to her, opens the door, and she goes, they're all gone. They're all gone. Every (laughs) single scar on her thighs are gone. They disappeared by the power of God. Now, there's only one scar left on her arms, and it's in the shape of a cross. How do you even handle yourself hearing and seeing all these testimonies? I mean, it's incredible. There is a uh, 
Brian, there's a realm and level of glory right now that it's just all God. It is all Jesus. He is manifesting himself in his power. He is coming to his bride with vengeance in that baptismal water. Mm. And it's just remarkable. I'll tell you this other story. Lorraine, um, come to our church. She has stage four breast cancer. She got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer and over 50 cancerous lesions in her body, her PET scan identified. And I have a picture right now of the 50 cancerous lesions. Mm. She comes and she gets baptized in our water. The very next day, she was scheduled to have an additional PET scan to see uh, what the cancer is doing. She gets baptized on Sunday night with the cancerous lesions in her body, 50 of them. She gets baptized. Presence of God comes upon her. The fire of the Lord touches her. She goes on Monday to the doctor. They run an additional PET scan, and they reveal that all 50 cancerous lesions were gone, completely eradicated by the power (laughs) and fire of God. Wow. I mean, that, that's the way it should be, right? We should be seeing more of these miracles in the realm of Christianity. Oh, this is the norm. Exactly. This is the way, this is the way it should be. But because we, for some reason, we've made it about us. We've made it about surviving. We've made it about our breakthrough. We've made it about our deliverance, that we're constantly having to get breakthroughs for ourselves, that we can't go be the body of Jesus to others and deliver what Jesus told us to deliver, he says, go lay hands on the sick, you know, go minister to them, pray the prayer of faith and watch diseases and cancers dissolve. That's the normal Christianity. But as I, I believe it was Smith Wigglesworth that said that we have, we have had such, um, you know, subnormal activity in Christianity that when we begin to act normal, people call us abnormal. Exactly. You know, so praise God. All right, Pastor, we got time for uh, one more story. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Let me tell you about the gentleman that got baptized, and he had psoriasis on his body. And y'all know psoriasis is just ugly. It's itchy. It's flaky. It's bleeding. uh, It's just very uncomfortable. He gets into the baptismal waters to assist his mother who was getting baptized. And the fire of God is so strong, the presence of the Lord. He gets in the water to assist his mother that needed some help in the baptistry. He gets baptized as well, and he gets out, and the psoriasis melts off of his body. Wow. Melts off of his body and completely gone. There is no cure for psoriasis. You just have to treat it. You just have to treat it the rest of your life. It's something that's going to be with you all, all of your days. But one moment in that water, one moment in that water, Jesus came with a veracity and met him and completely psoriasis free. We've had eczema. We've had bipolar conditions, uh, ADHD cured. We've had uh, cancer eradicated, hernias disappeared. Marriage is restored. Marriage is restored. Uh, we performed a, a, a reconciliation between a husband and wife right there in the baptistry. <laughs> so it was so beautiful. And addictions being broken. I'm telling you, it's just beautiful what God's doing. He's coming with vengeance to his bride, and he's meeting them in those baptismal waters. And we give him all the glory. Because it's nameless, Ryan. It's nameless and faceless. There's no one that's getting the glory. It's him. He's doing it.
Exactly. And I, and I love that about you and about your ministry. Would you pray for the people at home just to have that fresh touch from God? And not everybody can come to Dawsonville and, uh, and be a part of that. Would you just pray that they can have their own touch from God right where they're at to be healed right now? Yes. You see, Jesus loves us, and you may not be able to make it to Dawsonville. So right now, where you are, I just want you to open up your heart and your mind to say, Jesus, uh, just touch me, just everything that you have for me. So, Father, I pray right now that there'll be a release of glory and a release of your spirit and your power, Father, throughout the world. Every individual that's listening to this, Father, I pray that you go deep into their soul, deep into their heart, and move, God. Move in every facet, every room, Father, every closet of their life. I pray that you Lord, break the doors down and explode in their life. I thank you for healings. I thank you, Lord, that, that ligaments that, uh, that have been torn are being restored. I thank you, Lord, that cartilage is being restored as well, that has been uh, bone upon bone in their life, Lord, and it's painful. Thank you that you're releasing that, that you're releasing, God, this, this ointment, this, this oil into their life. God, that the, the pain will no longer be there. Chronic migraines, Lord, we've seen chronic migraines disappear. Lord, this is not your best. This is not your will for your children. And I speak wholeness and wellness into their mind, the stresses, the anxieties, Lord, the arthritis and bursitis. Lord, I thank you that you're going to be releasing people's hands and joints that have been knotted up by the power of the Lord. God, this is not a gimmick. This is not a trick. Lord, we ask you, our good Father, our good Father, our loving Father, that you would touch your children. Touch them right now, Lord. Manifest your goodness in their life. We ask you in Jesus' powerful, precious, strong name. Amen. Amen. And you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Pastor Todd Smith. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. Todd Smith is having a large number of creative miracles in his church. In his classic message, he teaches the secrets of how to fulfill John 14, 12. The works that I do, you shall do also. In his book, He Sat Down, Todd Smith will activate you to fulfill these very words of Jesus so that his work will get done on earth. Also, in his exclusive brand new three CD set, Baptized with Holy Spirit power, Todd teaches and imparts to you what it takes to move in miracles and the glory of God and to be filled with His power every day of your life, all for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. 2697, or go to our website at sidroth.org, sidroth.org. Be sure to ask for offer number 9622. That's offer number 9622.